At long last, the wait is over, and now you can listen to part two of my chat with the drag artist formerly and presently known as Judy. We are resumed in cheers. Cheers. Cheers, mama. Yes, mm. and so uh, for the mugs, I mean, not the mugs, the goblets, you have the... Mama and baby. Yes, exactly. It's quite lovely. The wine and water. This. Water and wine is very religious. Yeah. Water and wine. Sparkling. What's it called? Spritz Serena. Oh, uh, <laughs> Serena. That's Spritz, our new brand. Spritzies. And Serena wine. Spritzies, which is the new brand <laughs> of Craig and Friends uh, authorized merch. I love nonsense words. Uh, me too. <laughs> I do too. Or if I can't remember the name for something, I'm going to mm-hmm. decide something is called this, and then that's how it's it is. always safe to add aroni at the end. <laughs> Smoke-a-roni. Flower-a-roni. I like that. Macaroni. I also... Macaroni, that's a real word. Never mind. Macaroni, it is? Macaroni? <laughs> macaroni. Oh, macaroni. It's too close. Yeah. yeah. You can't have it and then close. I was like, macaroni. I was thinking Corona. It was a whole. Okay, speaking of nonsense words. Yeah. I have to work on the Jessica Lang, Judy, Judy, Booty. <laughs> oh, my God. That just reminded me of that. And yeah. I have to, I don't know where, that might be a video instead of a performance live. Uh huh. Because there's some songs that I'm like, Nowhere in LA is the right vibe or audience for this. Because <laughs> it, it, it's just like, it's either everyone drunk and hype, and this would be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, well, everyone's drunk and hype at a drag show. So, fair enough. It, like, um, what was it? Uh, Elaine Stretch, <laughs> I'm Still Here that I did for New Year's. Uh huh. That one, I sent it to Garrett, and I was like, is there any venue that you think can handle this? And he was like, no. <laughs> he was like, you record that at home. You put that out because <laughs> you yeah. can't. And that's what I started doing with like the the videoing at home. First, it started when I was so angry I didn't get booked that one time. And I was like, I have these songs that I've memorized and I like. And I need to like birth them out of me to stop listening to them, you know? And also to get that. From preventing you to find the next thing that yeah. is a show piece for somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I just have to video this. It start I think my first one was like, um Did you watch Inside by Bo Burnham? No, I Netflix? need to. Okay. He has a song called Put Your Fucking Hands Up. I'll show you the video. It's it's depressing and like weird. And I was like, I can't perform this anywhere. The only place I thought about performing it was um, Learn the Words, Bitch. Okay. Because it's a guy singing, yeah. and I didn't. I did drag once to um, competing in that, but other times I just went out of drag. Um, but I didn't do it. I should do that. Yeah, you it. should. Because out of the ones that you feel are like not public performances, there's got to be like one or two that rise to the top yeah. of that. Another one that it was like, I don't know where an audience would get this is and i did at learn the words bitch and one was playing with the big boys from prince of egypt mm-hmm. i don't know that one. <laughs> oh. <gasps> <laughs> okay prince of egypt is the most underrated 
animated musical Mm -hmm. because it's Christian. Oh, okay. Have you seen it? No, no. Uh, I haven't. I'm I'm more than uh, happy to check it out, though. I love a musical. Girl, I mean, it's like the the cast. Uh Uh-huh. I think it has Sandra Bullock, Helen Mirren. Wow. Uh, Not all of them actually sing, but um, that song is two magicians that are like assistants to the pharaoh Mm -hmm. and moses is coming back with his staff uh, that turns into a snake and he's like the power of god (laughs) and the two magicians are like no you're playing with us we are and it's so flamboyant and it's by um martin short and steve martin oh my god are singing it oh i didn't know that the two of them were involved are the magicians one is short and huge animated yeah one is tall and evil well, they're both evil. And they're like, you can, yeah, do all your magic. You can be our acolyte. Yeah. But fuck you because we're the kings of magic. So, I did, <laughs> very interesting. I did it for ha- the Halloween version of Learn the Words. And I was like, people are going to literally be scared. Like, <laughs> like not like, oh, she's being spooky. Abora and Felony Dodger judged it. Oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and, and I think one of them said like, you seem like a um, what was it? A Pee Wee Herman from Hell, or something like that. <laughs> That's like the highest praise imaginable and from that bunch. I was like, I've made it. I have made it. Yeah. So yeah, that was fun. But there's a few songs where I'm like, damn. Do you find it tricky that that because that's a fine line, right, to mm-hmm. navigate? But to then get such fl- glowing words from such connoisseurs. Mm-hmm. that hopefully emboldens you a bit right oh to yeah do a little bit more yeah it's i like to pick songs either that they're that the audience is like i want to watch every word because it's so intricate or that catch them off guard or mm-hmm. that have like i don't know little nuggets that you have to be watching to see yeah that's my favorite part yeah, because that's what I'm imagining what you like to see mm-hmm. when you're in the audience. Something like that. Yes. My biggest pet peeves. <laughs> this is going to Go for it. Talking. We love those on this show. But not opening your mouth wide enough when lip syncing. <laughs> mm. It like, like I can't watch. Like it's like. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. And then. Missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now, what would it, tell me some about some missed opportunities? Well, I'll tell you one that I did. Yeah, that um, Meatball called out uh-huh. at Learn the Words. So, I did. Uh, what song is it? Oh, Come on a Cone. <laughs> <laughs> Come on a Cone is a Nicki Minaj song that's very fast paced, and it says like something about like the ice. I so cold it belongs in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And I pointed backwards, but Alaska Thunderfuck was in the audience. Oh. And I and she said you should have pointed at her. And I that was my first time doing Learn the Words. And yeah. I was like it, the connection wasn't there, but missed opportunity. I oh, should have well. done it. But then a good instructive for next time, mm-hmm. right? Because you'll scan the room and mm-hmm. all that. You gotta be like on your feet. But that was that was probably only like my 
third time performing on a stage, I think. So that's not too bad. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're also doing that song. She liked it. Yeah. And also, I guess, really, there is an aspect of improv comedy mm-hmm. to drag that I don't know if it gets mentioned as much because there's so many factors that could be there, could not be there the night of yeah. that influence it. Oh, yeah. The... um. That's why I don't like to choreograph things. I normally like plan the nuggets. Yeah. And then in between, I I don't want to choreograph any like dancing mm-hmm. or movement because I want to like have a connection with the people up front. Sure. That's why I love the stage at Precinct because they're right up to you and they're like, me, you, you, me. Yes. When I performed other places and they're at tables far apart. I'm like, oh, like a brunch setting. I haven't done a brunch, but a brunch setting where you're yeah. like walking around, working the room. Yeah. Ooh, girl, that's hard. <laughs> I can imagine because you have to then, I guess, consider the actual walking time mm-hmm. and you don't have the cluster of people Yeah, where there's a lot of energy right there and that feeds on itself too, mm-hmm. right? And there's like those nuggets I want people to see. And so sometimes in the song, you're like, Shit, I need to go get back into the spotlight to do this because <laughs> right. I want these bitches to see. I've been planning this. Like in um, Throat Goat, there's a <laughs> there's a line that is, I sucked him behind the bar mm-hmm. and I wanted to be over by the bar pointing back at the bartender. Yeah. But, oh, that one did work. That one did work. <laughs> I, got, I got back. But, um, yeah, I don't choreograph a lot because I want the improv. Yeah. And like... The last time when I was at Rocco's, I wanted to eat someone's chicken. and <laughs> So, I sat down, ate some chicken. There was a word in the song that was like, I'm really sitting with Anna about, like, I'm really sitting in the front row with Anna Wintour. And I wanted a chair there. And I, it, it's like I plan little things, but not all of it. Yeah. A couple beats that yeah. have to be sort of there. It's like, if I'm doing research on someone for the show, like, I do the research. I read it all. But... I never make notes to look at because I want to be there with the person. Like, yeah. even when I check the levels or whatever, I hate to look away. But, you know, you have to every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. But um, I find it's much more important to go with the flow of the conversation rather than mm-hmm. having, I must do this, 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 and this. And sometimes I've missed things that I want to talk about. But generally, it's the conversation that you're meant to have. Yeah. Is how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I'll get more dancey. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. But I do... I like songs that are, I don't know. Have more open a, to, more, I cut you off. You were going to say something. More like, oh, my throat. <laughs> <laughs> more like that. I'll, I'll boost that in post if you want. <laughs> <laughs> the black, creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> They're more like. <laughs> I like songs like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that noise. Um, that are, I don't know, more. Yeah, have some like intricate intricacies. Sure, and some know. like drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it was fun to Angry see. Angry face, at, which I've said before. <laughs> at Glossus last week, Crystal Method did an Iggy Pop number, mm-hmm. and I was so taken with that. A, I love Iggy Pop, but also, uh, you know, it's a very big night in the big strip of drag and everything. And I think before House of Avalon did gloss there, and maybe this is not true of the history of the of the, that strip. I've never seen. Uh, a night that blended uh, like a big box anthem with something like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was so nice to see that in a space like that. Yeah. And also to have an Iggy Pop song. 
there needs to be variety or it gets oh my god absolutely mundane and yeah. monotonous and it's like i loved at the first gloss when um it was recognizable and i love that she did it um willow pill did the what song is that is it is it uh is that anya is that from titanic is it from titanic you know i've never seen titanic and people always uh are shocked Good. and disgusted. Thank Good. you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I was like, you know, there's a lot of other movies. I don't know what that is from, but I think it's Enya or Anya, right? It's okay. Enya, Enya. We're gonna have to check we that. We but will. And I'm sure there's someone listening to it right now, like, yes, like, you no, idiots. You idiots. Yeah. <laughs> but she did that into like I think like a I don't was it a Britney? It was like a she was wearing like a colonial thing with her wine and glass from the show, like when she poured the things into the bath. Oh, sure. And then turn it into like a slutty thing. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> that breakup of things and like the contrast is yeah. what, I don't know. It just, it gives it variety, gives it a little something else, a little spice. Yeah. And I also like you think you're in one mode or you're going in one direction and then you turn a corner. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. I remember when Katya used to do, Om Shanti into um, Hung Up at the Madonna night that I did. And it was great because no one does Om Shanti, mm-hmm. right? So when that starts, uh, and, and Katya had a cape over them, and but once the transition for the song happened, the cape was shed and and she had extra arms, <laughs> I think. Or, or maybe the extra arms that popped out during Om Shanti, you know? And they were just like, and deliberately the cheapest fake arms. <laughs> But you're, and then so you're already carried away in this move, and then you get into hung up, and she's doing the splits and the, all the crazy mm-hmm. gymnastics she can do. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I love a, a a little deceptive catch maneuver. me off guard. Yes, that's what I wanted to do with the monologue at first, and yeah. how long it was. <laughs> I liked that. I liked looking around, and people were like, <laughs> "Wait, what? <laughs> this is uh, pretty long." Yeah. Um. Yeah, I want to do something with like down to the river to pray. That song from like, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. By yeah. who sings that? Um, Soggy know. Bottom Boys or something like that? <laughs> no, the woman, the woman, oh, the, the woman. woman. Okay. Yeah, I want yeah. to do that into something like really fast paced or something. I don't know. I think I'll do. Did you watch the um, Last Night in Soho? Not yet. I really want to. Okay. That it one looks gorgeous. You got to be in the right mind space for that. Okay. That'll fuck with you. <laughs> but she does like an acapella version of Downtown. Oh, yeah. And I want, I think at precinct I might do it, a downtown that into Skid Row. In- oh my God, from Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> That's brilliant. I in, love that. Into the like screaming part of um, downtown by Macklemore. Not Macklemore's part, but the downtown. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I think that. I the- think that on my... That might be my next one. That's a great combo. And Little Shop of Horrors is something I saw at New Beverly in the last couple of months. Really? And, yeah, and I hadn't seen it in like 20 years. I t- as soon as it started, started crying. <sighs> I love that so much. My boyfriend played Seymour, and oh. I always... <laughs> I always related with the dentist <laughs> <laughs> interesting getting a little look in he to... more and and audrey but um that's an interesting cross-section of characters <laughs> to feel a kinship with yeah <laughs> but no wonder you like to see more a little evil a little seem a little aubrey yeah audrey what the fuck um but yeah he was seymour and it's so sweet he did that in high school mm. that's precious. Sweet. ellen green is amazing and 
in that. Everyone is, but and Steve Martin really is exceptional. He's Jesus just Christ. wonderful. Now spit. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the look of disgust on his face when he figures out that Bill Murray is in, too into it. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you disgust I- me. <laughs> <laughs> There's some underlying tones in that. Uh, yeah, just the, slightly. Just slightly. Just a sprinkle. Just a, like a sousson. I was like, uh huh. <laughs> Watching it, I was like, I'm a little turned on. Okay, boys. Have you ever seen the original ending? No. It's, I think, on the Blu ray. So they filmed the full thing, a very big budget thing of Audrey taking over. Mm? Of the thing that they fight against actually happens. And it's so dark and it's great. But David Geffen, who had bankrolled it, said, this is great and I get it. But here's the thing. We got to change it. Mm. And he's like, I'll pay for it because he put up all the money anyway. Isn't that weird how the people with the money can change the ending (laughs) of a film and it changes what we all experience? Yeah. And sometimes it's for the worst. Like it, it ruins a movie. But with this, I saw the alternate ending and I was like, I'm glad they did the one they did. Because there's a hint of terror at the end. There's a hint, you know, because you see the new plant yeah. there and you go, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I, okay, what was, what did they change in Eyes Wide Shut? Did they just put like things on the girls or like hide naked people? That's what they, yeah, they dig- digitally masked some stuff and it's just like some blocking or something <laughs> like that, which is so dumb. It's so puritanical and silly. That movie also has such weird trivia. I love Oh, the trivia on that is dark, wild. Dark hole of that. What are some of your favorite bits of trivia from that? Because I like, I like one thing. Any Kubrick movie, how long it took to shoot, and I'm like, how, how, who, how, where's the money? How does it? What? You know what I mean? Mm. We're talking years, two years that movie took. And they, they were married right during it, and did they have kids on set? That I can't remember. They okay. may have had kids already, but yeah, it took like. Almost two years of their life. I, the, my, not my favorite, because I mean, it's like dark trivia, but in the end, isn't it theorized that like the kid has been in sex slavery the whole time or something? Oh, maybe. I got to refresh that. Was that was real dark. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But, but I, this is, uh, these it, are conjecture yeah. things, thoughts about a film, a mm-hmm. piece of fiction. Fiction. Yeah. But isn't it, what is it representative of? Like, it, there is a club that he based it off of. I think so. In New York. I think so. Now, see, I'm. Or is it still uh, a myth? I, I have to look up this stuff, and I I wanted to see that recently. New Beverly played it, and I hadn't seen that in twenty twenty five years. One of my favorite things ever in film is the bad guy played by Sidney Pollack. Oh, I the guy seen when uh, he's the bad guy who invites Tom Cruise's character to the party, and you know when he's rolling the pool balls across the thing, he's like, you know, Bill, the thing is. <gasps> Yes, yes, yes. He's like unsure if he could take him along, and he, yeah, okay. yeah. And but he's so sinister because he's the guy, he's the guy behind the whole thing. He's yeah. the Wizard of Oz, and he's just so creepy. Oh, there's so much we don't know about the rich. <laughs> oh, oh, I know, and that's really kind of what the movie's about, right? Yes, it's so weird. A friend of mine uh, works on loads of film sets as an electrician, and he worked with the sound guy who was the sound guy in Eyes Wide Shut, and. There was so much time between shooting times that that guy, either on that shoot or other Kubrick movies, he was on a few of them, 
he eventually collected every model that you could get of the sound equipment that he used. I can't remember the name of the thing, but like this, the, it's a classic um, reel-to-reel machine that is used, maybe a Studer or something. And he had every kind you could get from the beginning of uh, they started making them to that. And then he finally stopped collecting them on when he got that, and then he sold everything. But that's just what he did to pass the time because <laughs> there was so much time that you were not left. doing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The money to pay everyone. I don't know how. During. I know. How, so that was his last one? His last he one. He died. He died. and he Before had, the premiere? I think so. And he had, yes, before the, I think there was some editing that had to be completed too. But also, then he was in pre-production on AI, which then Spielberg picked up and finished because he that was going to be his next project. Uh, okay. Which I never saw. I should see it. I've never seen it either. I've seen almost every Kubrick movie except for Barry Lyndon. For that movie, he developed lenses that could shoot by candlelight. He had like lenses made and then all those scenes are shot by like hundreds of candles. So what diagnosis did he have? <laughs> That's a very good question. I always look that up first. I'm like, yeah. Vincent Mango, what did you have? <laughs> he must have had something that was related to what Kubrick had because Warhol, Kubrick, what are you? Have? Oh my God. I'm fascinated with what Warhol, like mm-hmm. what cluster of things did he have? Cause sometimes he reads as very narcissist and then other times it's not so much that. What do you think about Warhol? Because I'm a huge mm. fan as well. Have you watched the Netflix? I just started it. It's I haven't so, started it. It's really good. At first, I was a little concerned because at the first, it was just two readings from the book. And I was like, I could do this myself. What's going on here? Mm. Then it gets into way more stuff that uh, they, stuff that is uh, sor- not source, but inspired by the book. They talk a lot about his romantic relationships and how he wasn't really asexual and all of that. And there's interviews with Jed Johnson's brother. So for those listening not familiar, Jed Johnson was Andy's longtime partner, uh, would have been maybe husband if you could have done that then, in the 70s into just about the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then the brother of John Gould, his next paramour. Uh, and interestingly, his two main partners were twins like one of a set of twins so there was jed and jay johnson i think and then john and maybe jay ghoul i don't know if they had the same name but jay 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 you loved you loved the jay names yeah. <laughs> loved them yeah i don't know a lot about warhol but at that time in like i don't know it i need to research more because the influence on everything, everything. art nightlife yeah. the factory's influence on everything i was like you can see it in everything. In everything, it's well, and the more you dig into it, the, the more, more you see. Yeah, I'm it's scared the best. to go down the hole. <laughs> well, if you love a rabbit hole, the Warhol one is the endless rabbit hole. I know that's what I'm scared. Of. It's a lot of time because then you get into like Andy Warhol TV, and I have a bunch of those that you can't. The Warhol estate is a little bit too uh, stingy with letting stuff be up on the internet and everything, uh-huh. but someone dumped a whole bunch of Warhol TV episodes like 10, 15, 15 years ago on YouTube. I downloaded all the ones I could find. Uh, I'll send them to you if you I want. I feel like if I research too much, I'll think I'm, I have the power to astral project <laughs> into that time period. I'm in the studio. <laughs> I don't know. But when I go down a dark hole, the worst one that I've been down, ooh, this is good. I'm this excited. Yeah. The, it. When I went down a dark hole in in college, it had a payoff because I normally turn it into a project of for a grade. Yeah. Now it's just <laughs> it's just me in my room doing some pins on the wall with some strings. Um, <laughs> and I look like a crazy. Um, the last dark hole that I went down was the West Memphis Three. 
Have oh, you heard of this? I've heard of this. Okay. Yeah. Describe it for those maybe not familiar. Okay, so familiar. the West Memphis Three, there were three, there's a, a pair of threes. There were three young boys that were found in West Memphis, Arkansas, um, in a, not a sewage drainage, but like a little creek, mm-hmm. hogtied, naked and dead. And West Memphis is very small. So basically, they had these markings on them. That were later pretty much confirmed were um, the snapping turtles had done. Oh, okay. But they looked, the people, the like police thought that they looked demonic and that the hog tie was demonic. And this was a, um, what's it called? Like a sacrificial. Oh, like a signifier. Ritual or, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. So they had no like connecting evidence to anyone. They, you're supposed to look you know, through the family motive of how the boys are connected, like parents, yeah, siblings, then branch out. But it was like the West Memphis Police Department wanted to do their internal investigation and not allow other people to come in. So they found these boys that were like gothic-ish, emo, if you want to say that. And weirdos. Yes. To their in the in the town. Thinking, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were different, um, and they interviewed the friend that had, like, some type of mental difference, mm-hmm. disability. Um, and they interrogated him for, like, hours and hours and hours. And there were leading questions. The footage is insane. Like, he confessed about th- things that he had no idea he was mixing up his story because he it, it was like he had some challenges in terms of relating and yeah and they um it was illegal what they were doing interrogating him so that was their only connection um they're in jail i think that was 1994 mm-hmm. or three they go to jail there's like a court case with a bunch of people that were paid off if they said that they saw them like doing ritual things blah 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 there was no evidence basically a person that was doing an investigation on it becomes um one of the inmates girlfriends so there's there were three boys that were arrested mm-hmm. i think at like 16 or something like that and it be, i think it's like in 2011 they finally start appealing mm-hmm. and who did lord of the rings randy no not Randy Jackson. I was, I, oh my God, I was going to say Randy Jackson. Well, yeah. Famous author of Lord of the Rings, Randy Jackson. Uh, <laughs> no, who did the movies? Oh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson did the, um, I think paid for a lot of the oh, that's legal right. work. That's right. Yeah. And did the documentary called West of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So then the, um, I think the one that confessed was the one that first got this thing called the Alfred Alfred plea, mm-hmm. which basically means you don't admit that you no, you admit that you're guilty, but the state of Arkansas says like wink wink, we know you didn't do it, but you're guilty on paper. Yeah. So you have like, I don't know, felony of whatever murder mm-hmm. because that's what they found them guilty for. But they are freed. One of the guys was like, I um I'm not going to admit that I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. I will stay in here and not admit that I'm guilty. But because the Alfred plea was all, for all three of them, and one of them was on death row as like the, I don't know, the mastermind of mm-hmm. it, they all had to agree. And so he said, okay, I'll do it. 
So they were released, I think, in 2011. So I went on this dark ass (laughs) poll about this and then turned it into my honors thesis. That's amazing. (laughs) In biology. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Because I I thought I was going going to go into forensics, forensic biology. Yeah. So, and my my grad school studies were in genetics. Mm -hmm. So I twisted the shit into like, a review of biotechnology in 1993, mm-hmm. like um, DNA profiling back then and like fingerprints and like forensics back then compared to now and what would be the outcome now if sure. they could have, because they, I think they did get a sample of the stepfather. It It's a weird ass story. Yeah. But there's a movie too on Netflix. Um, what's her name? Reese Witherspoon plays yeah. the mom of one oh, of the wow. boys. Oh, wow. Okay, so you could t- take not... your pick. You could go narrative first, and then the mm-hmm. doc. Do you recommend the doc first? The movie isn't great, so maybe watch that first, and then the doc. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way because otherwise it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. End with the good. Yeah, you know something you might like are the Wonderland murders. Oh, what's that? So there was a mob kingpin, drug kingpin of Los Angeles named Eddie Nash, who like ran all the drugs basically in LA, at least a large portion of them. And he owned a lot of rock clubs too. And a lot of them sometimes would mysteriously have, um, what, what did they call it? There was a term for it, something lightning, which would be like, there would be a Grease fire. Lightning. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Grease lightning. That's what the song in Greece is about. Yeah. Insurance fraud. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not many people realize the subtext of Greece, but mm, it's dark. there. More pronounced in Greece too, because then they get into medical insurance fraud. <laughs> but uh, so Eddie Nash owned the Starwood and a bunch of places. And he was kind of above the law because he had so many cops on his payroll. He liked to have semi-famous people around. So John Holmes, the infamous porn star, fell on hard times, had a tremendous freebase habit, ended up in his circle. He liked having him around his like sort of famous guy at parties and everything. He would give him drugs. But then John Holmes, because he did so much drugs, so many drugs, or such a large volume, ended up owing him a great deal of money. So he's now a bag man for him. This other gang called the Wonderland Gang somehow uh, gets him also, gets him indebted to them as well for drugs. So they have him open a door at Nash's place and they sneak in to steal a bunch of stuff. Nash finds out, wants them all killed. And there's a horrific murder, horrific at this place called Wonderland, which is the nickname of a really, like the worst junkie house ever. Mm. Called Wonderland for, I can't remember what reason. Then there's the whole thing of people figuring out that Holmes might have information. There was a movie made about it, I think, with Val Kilmer and there's a podcast about it called The Wonderland Murders. There's also great offshoots that are horrifying in the thing. So there was like a slaughter of people. There was a slaughter of people, but one or two survived. But they were really fucked up. And I first read about this in Rolling Stone years and years ago. But all the stuff about Holmes is fa- fascinating, because not just because of his porn career, but like he... Wait, had, gay porn? Uh, he ended up doing uh, both gay and straight porn. And he just had a tremendous... So elements of Boogie Nights are based on fragments of this story. So Dirk Diggler uh, doing so much drugs he can't get it up is kind of John Holmes. Holmes. Uh, you know the scene in Boogie Nights with the guy with the firecrackers? No. 
Oh, there's a scene where they're at the drug dealer's house and he's like lighting off the, this other guy's lighting off firecrackers. It's really high tension. That's kind of based on the Eddie Nash character. So there's a lot of Dirk Diggler and Boogie Nights that is based on this stuff. The, another aspect that's great is Liberace's boyfriend, Boober, who we, I don't know if you saw the behind the candelabra. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that guy. Yeah. After he leaves Liberace, yes, Matt Damon's character, after he, Scott Thorson, after he leaves Liberace's enclave, he ends up in Eddie Nash's realm because he's so hooked on coke, he begins being a bag man or a transit guy for Eddie Nash. He happens to walk into Eddie Nash's office as Eddie Nash is on the phone ordering the death of these people. So now, Boober goes from Liberace to this to then being the star witness of the Eddie Nash trial which results in a non-conviction uh, or like some slap on the wrist because he owns so many people in the police force. It is a crazy story that it feels like I've spoiled a bunch, but there's so much to it that shows you all about the porn world at that time, the drug world at that time, and also like the weird uh, relationship that the mob has with rock clubs and the police payoffs and all of that stuff. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. I, I haven't delved into much mom things. I want to know a lot about the mom and gay bars. Have you read the book Gay Bar? No, I have to. Okay. I listened to the audiobook and he reads it and it's really good. Um, But that started me thinking about like the mob and gay bars in New York. Yeah. I want to know more. I want to know more too because I know more about uh, the one I know about uh, a good amount about is the uh, the mine shaft. Yeah. He Where, talks about that. Oh, okay, because that was owned by Maddie the Horse Ionello. And William Friedkin was friendly with, um, or Maddie the Horse Ionello. And that's where they shot a significant portion of cruising. Oh. That was mob owned, like most of those places yeah. were. Was Stonewall in? That I don't know. That's a good question. But there were so many of them that were because. Basically, any vice-related thing that the mob could make money from, they just turned a, a blind eye. They didn't care about the quote-unquote morality yeah. of it. That's so weird. I know it is. There's and that so that much. movie was supposed to shoot at a couple different locations, but then there was all this protest over it uh, before the final script was out. So a couple of the locations said no, but the mineshaft was for, for really there. And for whatever anyone thinks about the movie being homophobic, I disagree with that. I don't think it is. It is a snapshot of a time that will never be again. And the actual patrons of the mineshaft are in the cruising scenes as mm-hmm. the background extras because Friedkin said, well, these people are the, at the the essence of the place and they were all happy to be there. Yeah. And that's the, I think the only time that place is a place like that was filmed properly. Did you watch the like, uh, not Dave Franco, the other Franco. Oh, Did James that, Franco, like, interior leather bar. Yeah. I never saw Did it. Did you watch that? Is that good? I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. It's not good. But it's like, if if you, it's a watch. I mean, and like. And I love if cruising you, so much that. If you have like a Saturday that you're like, well, no, I'll just watch it. Yeah. Watch it. Have something else backed up, ready to go. Yeah. So you're like, okay, that was not so good. But. Yeah. Yeah. Friedkin wasn't even very charitable about it. Someone asked him at a Q&A I watched. And he was really? like. He goes, yeah, you know, it's nice that they wanted to do it. But all the footage that's supposed to be missing. It was just gay porn that I put in the movie, so when they, they so when the ratings board had to look at it, they would see this stuff, and I could cut that out, which mm. I wasn't going to put in the movie anyway. Yeah, and so they wouldn't look at this other stuff that was in there. He, what, what is? It's not Dave Franco. What's the other guy? James? James Franco. James. Yeah, the problematic. I don't know James what he was Franco. doing with that. He, I, <laughs> he also has a book called "Gay James, Straight James." <laughs> 
Right. Where he I'm t- like, girl. If, <laughs> if you're feeling a kind of if way. If you want to be, be. Yeah. What is this? I read the book and I was, it was, I was like, I don't get it. You say you're not, but come to the party, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Before I realized I was queer, I remember thinking about that. I was like, well, maybe he's just fascinated with that stuff. But then I realized that, yes, I was fascinated with a lot of this stuff too. But guess what? Turns out, big reveal. Queer. <laughs> yeah. Right. Big reveal. <laughs> girl. Honey, I found it. <laughs> when did you find out? In the last five years. And it was a slow process. So I was in a relationship uh, with a woman that went way longer than it should have, but I'm also very loyal, and so I also had in my mind that okay, well, I okay, so I'm I'm quote unquote the straight guy that knows all about queer culture and is very into it, and loads of queer, mostly almost exclusively queer friends, not mm-hmm. totally, but almost, mm-hmm. or women, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, but then because of that sort of designation, thinking okay, well, I guess that's who I am, and so therefore. That's the weird straight jacket that you put on yourself. Like, yeah. I guess that's my definition of who I am or as I understand it to be. Yeah. And then uh, post that breakup, then there was an opportunity to have sex with someone. And I was like, yeah, I do kind of want to. It was actually, hey, can you turn your Uber, Uber around? They were sort of like laying it on me. And then they came back and they did. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I initiated it with someone else after that. And I was like, okay, that there you go. That's the yeah. proof's in the pudding mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. And then from there, it was like full exploration and embracing and everything. Was it amazing? Yes. And it has been amazing. Good. And That's it, awesome. It, thank you. And it's made the, uh, not the heterosexual side, because it's not heterosexual, but I guess, uh, I guess it, being more one with yourself uh-huh. it makes everything else more natural or, or more um not authentic but i guess just more natural yeah. like uh, it, it it has influenced everything do you feel like it was you knew anything long ago and suppressed or it would just evolved i think you know i think i definitely uh, when i was around 20 and also it was the first time i was slim i was a heavy kid and then i had some weight issues and everything and so i wasn't really with anyone mm-hmm. and then uh, when I was, then I, I was nineteen twenty. I was dying my hair, uh, doing my nails and all that stuff. And then I just thought, well, maybe I'm gay. But again, I hadn't really been in a dating relationship or anything. And then nothing really came of that. And also I was awkward, you know, like the first time you're going to a thing and you're like, okay, so what am I supposed to do here? And at the time I drank. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of heavy drinking mm-hmm. to get it over nerves. The- <laughs> it, it really does. You think that it makes it like easier, but then it's like, I don't know what's real. <laughs> exactly. And maybe it made it easier for that, you know, that cozy 20 minutes mm-hmm. where you've just had the right amount, but you just keep sailing on past it. And so that muddied things up a little bit. And uh, so I thought, okay, maybe I'm just gay. And then I had a girlfriend that was like not a good experience, but also the your first girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, it, maybe it won't be. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of confusion. Yeah. And then there was nothing after that in any regard for a while and then it was just with women but there was constantly people saying like oh i know a friend that you would like and i go oh who and they're like well this hairdresser and i'm like oh well why do you think i'm gay also stuff from childhood where you know like a gym teacher said in front of an assembly what's the matter with me are you a fag and you know i've been called fag a lot mm-hmm. growing up i'm 46 so growing up when i did in the 80s the homophobia was very mm-hmm. high and also when you're an, a misfit kid uh it's almost like you feel like oh that's one more thing i don't even know what to do with. Mm-hmm. So 
I'll put it away, even though when I look back, there's obviously indications yeah. of things. But then later you would think, well, people are too generalized with that, or people want to make assumptions, you know, like it, which is true, but you can also trap yourself. Yeah. You can that. be like, stop telling me what I am. That's not right. And you become more oppositional. Yes. Oppositional defiance is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's even in one of my diagnoses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're getting very psychoanalysts. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, I understand that. I I think I remember at like six or seven looking in the mirror and being like, there's something different. Interesting. Something different, and I knew I had to keep it down. I mean, I always related to my sisters more. Yeah. And I went to a private Christian school that was like a one one-room schoolhouse. Wow. And I think that there was like two people in my grade. Mm -hmm. It it was like we all made this. It was almost like a Montessori school, but Christian version. And I don't know what learning was going on. (laughs) But but, um, then when my dad left, I had to go to the public school. Mm -hmm. And similar thing called fag, called names. I remember... um, Someone said, in, and this is in fourth grade. Someone said, "You better find a husband because George Bush is gonna is gonna make it illegal for you to marry or something like that." Uh-huh. It was already like I don't know why they thought that was a good diss, but um, yeah. it's flawed logic too. He's gonna make these marriage fourth graders were not politically <laughs> sloppy. They yeah. were fourth sloppy fourth uh, graders. They're Fox News commentators now, <laughs> um, but yeah, I knew from an early age. And I did. Did you ever see people in pop culture that you were like related with, and were like, "Yes"? <laughs> and it's so funny too because I think I obscured maybe why or certain things. Now, listen, I made a point to see every movie Sting was in mm-hmm. as a kid. Very into David Bowie. Bowie always registered with me mm-hmm. very loudly and just completely like, "That's mine." If if not, that's me then this is mine. Like, mm-hmm. this is all Lou Reed, mm-hmm. all the Warhol stuff. Even when I was a little kid, any gay theme stuff mm-hmm. was immediately mine. But then I also thought, well, maybe it's anything outsider, you know, anything outsider. And I always admired uh, drag queens or just queens in, mm-hmm. in culture and anything like that. Because they Divine, were, did you? Oh, I l- mm-hmm. fucking love Divine. Waters. John Waters. And I saw John Waters stuff very young. Mm-hmm. Actually, I remember cutting the advertisement out for hairspray when it was coming to the theaters oh quite old but (laughs) so uh also i remember uh i liked rolling stone magazine as a kid because i was always hungry for culture oh magazines were my go-to what were your go-to magazines when you were growing up i would all well i was like also very fashion attracted yeah that doesn't make any sense. But um, so I would. <laughs> no, get, that's a new. That's a new uh, category now. Thanks. <laughs> fashion for, attracted. Fashion attracted. Um. So I would get the Vogue. I wouldn't really read the article. <laughs> I still don't. I I look at the the trends and everything. Yeah. I would get L. I would get in the in the summers. We had a pool. And I would get People Magazine and a lemonade and a Snickers bar. <laughs> yes. And I would go up by the pool and lay out and read my People Magazine. I'll never forget, like, the Katie Holmes, uh, is that her name? Tom Cruise saga. Yeah. yeah. That was always in the People Magazine. Um, and I would just read about pop culture at the time. 
Yeah. This is when Britney was going through it. Sure. I was, yeah, magazines, but they were the basics. It, it was like very like, what is in fashion? What is the famous people? What are the famous people doing? It wasn't very edgy. <laughs> well, but for for a boy in Alma, it was. No, it that was is like, very Whoa. edgy. And also, it really, no matter how edgy the content is or whatever, looking on, on paper, as I like to say, mm-hmm. is the sort of thing. It's really what you're seeing in it because you're seeing something very specific at that time. Yeah. Right? You're seeing fashion and you're seeing the lives of people in pop culture. And mm-hmm. it's it's saying something to you. It's Right? It's transmitting something to you. Yeah. And we had this story called Hastings. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Hastings? I don't think it's so. It's like resale of movies, CDs, oh, books, okay. magazines. Yeah. So me and my friends would go there and this was even like my mom was okay with me listening to Beyonce because she used to be in Destiny's Child and they sang a few Christian songs. Oh, that, that's that amazing. That was it. Yeah. My mom would like let me listen to Beyonce in the car. Um. But other things I would have to, I always worked. So I always had my own money to go buy things at Hastings mm-hmm. and would listen to them and read them on the side. <laughs> like um, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, okay. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And I would just devour like books, movies, CDs. Which one? Mm, I'm trying to think of what CDs I like loved. Would these be headphone only? Listens? At, at the thing at the store yeah or you like could listen to them at the store but yeah. i had a car at that time oh i see okay. i actually started driving at 15 wow because i had in arkansas you can get a hardship a hardship license meaning and it's like the word hardship like this kid has a hardship <laughs> yeah. so they need to be able to drive so mine was that i had a job before school and after school and i needed to drive to work in school Okay, okay. So I would pop my CDs in there, listen on the way to school. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to like Britney, Rihanna, Beyonce, Kesha, Gaga, mm-hmm. Queer Shit. Yeah. The, the girls. Yeah. The girlies. And that would set you up for the day, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember listening to The Walk when waiting for the bus and I was listening to like Public Image Limited's uh, early 80s album. This is what you... I love the Sex Pistols, too. And mm-hmm. who I... I, I never heard them before. I, I was like, I like them. I Again, Rolling Stone. I would get like the books on the 100 albums of, of the, all time or yeah. whatever. Uh, and, and well, and the first time I saw Rolling Stone magazine, it, Bowie was on the cover. Mm. And I was merely like, I want that. And then the next time I went to get it, um, it was Sybil Shepherd, which is still great. Uh, but then I got it and then I was not Bowie. No, not Bowie. Or was it Prince? I'm trying to remember. But anyway, uh, then I got it and then I got a subscription and then that was my mm-hmm. Bible because pre internet too, I learned about so much stuff and learning about college radio because back then that the REM was college radio and all that and learning about, and then I read an essay by John Waters. And that's how I got to know both who John Waters was and Divine, who I think I'd seen something about. Uh, and then, Angeline was also featured in the article that John Waters wrote. Oh God, are you excited about that show coming out? Oh my God, is it, wait is it is it a documentary? Well, series? there's one docu series I think coming out, but then there's like Emmy Rossum I think is in one. I don't know if it'll. be But good. still, what an, uh, an overabundance of mm-hmm. riches for us, right? It's so great. Yeah, and I I remember the first time I met her. Out oh, here you met her in a pavilions parking lot, girl. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What? I was walking out, and it was like when it was dusk, so it was just getting dark enough that- Perfect. Pink? Pink in the sky? (laughs) 
It was. There was a hint of pink in the mm. sky. That's I was mean. having a bit of a crummy day, mm. walking out with my groceries. And you saw the boulders. All, not quite. I wish I sort of. the he, there, mm. were, there were headlights, but not that kind. Oh. And I was like, who is that? with their headlights on staring right like right in front of me and i can't see in front of me and as i get closer i go oh my god it's the pink car it's her and i just leaned over and i go i'm a huge fan of your work mm. and she goes great do you want to buy a shirt and i go yes hold on meet me over there she pulled up into the shameless i know totally shameless <laughs> i realized though i actually know i met her once before that at in north hollywood at the post office this frantic looking woman she did not have her look to get like it was the uh-huh. day look okay and just all I, knew is, yeah, all I knew is this frantic woman comes up to me and goes, can I cut you in line? Can I cut you in line? I'm parked in a red zone. And I, I just like, what, you know, it's that, that energy where you go, whatever you need, whatever mm-hmm. you need, go right ahead. I want to know people like that. Like, what are their books look like? Like, what, <laughs> what is, are the logistics that keep them living here? Like, right. paying the car. Like when um, Tammy Faye. Where did she move to? She moved to somewhere and like had this apartment at the end of her career. Maybe it was in LA. Where, she was like trying to pitch shows again. I bet it was LA. But I want to know like the details. I, that's <laughs> at that stuff, end, I'm frantic. So, so fat. I know. My God, that last interview with her. The bank statements. I want. <laughs> I know the bank statement. What was what was funding her? Because there was no money from PTL anymore. And oh, right over there, that book on that looks like a book. That's uh, the it's the best of the PTL club. On top? Yeah, yeah. It's cassettes. Well, I'll, I'll show it to you in a, in a I minute. I haven't seen a cassette booklet in a while. My mom had those, but they were sermons. <laughs> That's the sad part about those. You see those at like a thrift store and you're like, because I, I love a, like a book that has they're cassettes. They're always foam. In. Yeah. <laughs> they're squishy. There's a lot of padding mm-hmm. and it, they're never can't anything. can break those cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't because that's uh, it's uh, powerful stuff. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, holy, mm-hmm. holy stuff. Holy, Especially if it's Tammy Faye's sermons. Do you know I actually went to Heritage USA as a child? No. My, my sister, um, I don't think it was still Heritage, but she honeymooned there. <gasps> wow. At like the hotel that was near it or yeah. something, but they like were there somehow. I, that is amazing. I saw Pat Boone play there. He was mm. all white and there was dry ice smoke. I sang with Pat Boone as you, a kid. You did? I Tell sang with that. Pat Boone. It was a Christmas special. I was in like the select choir and we got to sing. I think it was like, I don't know, White Christmas, some medley of a few things. Yeah. He's something. <laughs> what was the experience like? Like, what did he, well, be- he came how back? Did he behave when he was. It, we didn't have much interaction with him. He came back to the green room and like said hi and talked to our choir director yeah. mainly. And then walked on. We didn't rehearse with him like but once, I think. Yeah. Back at stage. And then came on stage. And this is in Alma, Arkansas. This, he was doing a chicken shit gig. <laughs> and he's like, God, booked, there, right? Booked on chicken shit gigs yeah. but in <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. But, he had a lot of chicken shit gigs. Mm, he. Is he still alive? You know he is. I believe he is. He lives in this building. <laughs> oh my god! I think he, he's in Katie and Tom's he lives old place, <laughs> haunting it. <laughs> my big Christmas male diva is Johnny Mathis. Oh my god! I love Johnny Mathis. My mom played the Christmas album of him. Like it's just him standing. I don't. It, I, I think know it's which called one you're talking Merry about. Christmas yeah, and, and like he's that. standing in kind of a profile shot. I think. He's front on in this oh, one. Oh, what am I thinking of? But okay. there's snow, fakes. It's yeah. like and he's got a Christmas he might have skis sweater. On he does have skis. Okay. Yes, that's it. 
that was what was played constantly. And it's like every Christmas time, that's on my repeat. I, I don't care how many times. <laughs> like, Because well, it's so good. It, I don't know another. I mean, there's Mariah's Christmas song. There's Britney's Christmas song. Then it's Johnny Mathis. <laughs> yeah. You're like, there may be another Christmas album out there, but not I that know I know it. about. Not me. <laughs> Except for that slutty Ariana Grande one. <laughs> That and she's like, what this Christmas bucket? <laughs> I don't know. It's like slutty, but I like it. I love rock or pop rock Christmas, Christmas? stuff. I do. I don't know any. Oh, I know a bunch, but I haven't. The year after that first that breakup I was talking about before, Christmas seemed so weird. I I couldn't mm. be around, and, and I was happy to be by myself, but I couldn't do I couldn't deal with Christmas, and so it was like, okay, next year. And last year was nice to be with back with my family. The two pandemic Christmases or the one, whatever it was, weird. Mm-hmm. And the one right before it, because I'd just come back from London, I was home. I went to a great thing at Precinct. It was like the... Uh, they Leith- did Christmas? Well, they did like a Lethal Amounts Christmas show with Christine. And that was like the most fucking buck wild thing I've... Christine? Pe- Christine. People were almost... Yeah, Christine. Um, not Christine and the Queens, but Christine with the two E's, wears the weird contacts, uh, puts the mic in her mouth. Oh, I'll show you Who some afterwards. Okay. Oh, you'd love Christine. Christine is wild. They need to do a Grant Vanderbilt Christmas at Precinct. That would be incredible. Ugh. Was there a, a Grant Christmas thing last year? Because I was in Massachusetts for most of December. And they because did, of Omicron, I wasn't looking at anything. I don't know what year it was, if it was last year or the year before, but they did a Christmas special. That's right. Yeah. Online, right, I think? Yeah. Yeah. But they, yeah. they shot it somewhere. And then put it online. Yeah, digital. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss an in-person one this year. It just, you know, I went off to Massachusetts and I was like, I'm just, this we is the vibe Christmas man. drag. Yeah, exactly. And I love Grant's passion for Christmas stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I think when I, I asked Grant, I think, when do you start playing the Christmas music? And Grant was like, oh, no, it's all year long. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you are true blue loony for Christmas. And I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's actually on my, like, liked, are the Johnny Mathis and the Ariana Grande albums and if i do shuffle sometimes they, they will come on and i'm like Whatever. hey look this is where we're at this is cool johnny I'll take it johnny mathis made an album with chic that didn't get released for like 30 years as columbia i think he was doing poorly uh commercially and so columbia was like great chic's gonna produce an album for you wonderful then he had a hit with one of his other songs and they were like we're gonna shelve this and it came out a few years ago it's called i love my lady which is hilarious but uh you know <laughs> gay <laughs> well it's like barry Manilow made a video called you're looking hot tonight in the early 80s where it's like hit it's like a bad version of the robert palmer addicted to love there's like these blonde girls all playing instruments playing in quotes Aww. and yeah it's like look at me i am straight Don't yeah. do <laughs> so did johnny ever come out I think he must have, because John Waters profiled him in that book, Role Models, I think. I don't think he ever was, I think he was like Tab Hunter in that it was like an open secret. Known thing, but. Yeah, but never, I don't think he ever made a statement about it. But again, I have to read that John Waters book all the way through, because that was the first time I was like, oh, it's official. You know what I mean? There, I was reading something, because I was, (laughs) I was in Phoenix at a casino at a wedding and he was performing there in february oh wow and i was like what the fuck and i always had heard that but then i researched it and i think he did in some weird way and then i think he got hate for it and he his house caught on fire oh wow or something like after he came out somehow someone because i don't think he lives in a 
metropolitan area. If I may be making no, this I up. think you're right. He lives kind of a, a in a quiet area. Yes, or something. and I think someone burned his house down after Horrible. hearing about that. Yeah, I don't know, but well, it could be very likely. And also, awesome. an entertainer coming up in that era, they were so uh, uh, I can't remember what the word girded against mm-hmm. talking about that stuff mm-hmm. because it just it, it could mean it would be the end of your career. As, especially as a singer that was the heartthrob of women, mm-hmm. they felt. I mean, because even uh, what's the singer from Clay Aiken? You remember yeah. there was that stuff. They said, "No, you're gonna ruin half your audience and all that." They stuff. They tried to keep him in the closet. I think there was suggestions <laughs> to not come out. Yeah, girl, he was. <laughs> I know. You know, Manilow finally came out of the closet as well. Which is funny because I have his early uh, biography, autobiography, and he talks about these romances with women that are just not real. And it's kind of wild. <laughs> like, I think he wrote a newer book, but like, there's like lots of details. And you're like, wow. Who ghost wrote this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what porn director was like, and then I touched her leg. Yeah. And I was nervous about it the first time, but... I, I, and it's funny because with him, he was doing the Continental Baths with Bette Midler because he was her musical director. So really? He, oh, yeah. So he was Bette Midler's musical director. He was a jingle writer. He wrote, oh, my God, he wrote the Band-Aid jingle. I got stuck on a Band-Aid and a Band-Aid stuck on me. <laughs> what? On his live album from 77, 78, he has a medley. It's the greatest thing ever. It's six minutes of... Don't you want to be or, right, right, like, uh, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, da, 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 da. Don't wrote, you want to be a pepper, too? I, my tune is all fucked up on that. I'll forgive me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he wrote the pepper jingle. I also love um, corporate musicals. Oh, my God. Those are incredible. <laughs> I used to work in corporate films uh, and, and training films. Oh. So we never made anything quite that grand. But yes. Warple. Like, just these brands. My my boyfriend went to Chapman and they had to write a lot of, they took like these weird ass classes. And I'm like, what did you pay for that? <laughs> what degree did you get? Yeah. But they seemed so fun. And he like had a class all about like probably corporate musicals or something yeah. like that. Or I think he had a class on musicals in general, like the format of musicals and yeah. like how to tell the story mm-hmm. in the song and the all that. Yeah. And he actually said while watching Euphoria, I would never tell him that he's like very smart in this way. <laughs> but he said in Euphoria they went with like the musical format of the real musical being the finale okay. of the thing. Cause what's the one with Uma Thurman and she's like, if you've got it, flaunt it. And it was at this point that we stopped to up our refreshments, use the lavatory, all the things a decent civilized person would do. And there's two of us, so it took a couple minutes. And in the meantime, we started talking about some stuff that we had referred to earlier. And we jump right back into it now. I'm sure you'll figure out what we're talking about. Also, I had a uh, tremendous lust for women. So mm. it's the bisexuality thing also is, it's amazing how, and that still presents as a challenge for many people. Uh, but even when you think that you're very well versed on the topic and you understand that you can be bi, with all that other stuff, it, it makes you sometimes think, well, it can't be, right? Because, yeah. but then uh, when I realized that if I was flirting with a guy, which I had done before, but maybe not realized I was flirting, yes, it's different than with a woman. Mm-hmm. And they're both valid and it's the same importance, et, et cetera, et they cetera. They can be mutually real. Exactly. And that, I think, took me a long time to figure out, even when I obviously had crushes on 
someone who worked at the record store chain that I worked mm-hmm. at or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because then it wouldn't be in your immediate uh, line of sight. And so you could si- kind of go, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, that, that kind of thing. I like that things seem to be changing of saying I'm queer. Yeah. Because it loosens that dichotomy of like, you're gay, you're straight, mm-hmm. you're cis, you're trans. Yeah. So sometimes that is cut and dry. Sure. But there's people on a spectrum and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, I'm this, I'm this. If you feel not legitimized, but if you feel like a label is helps you, yeah, take it, mm-hmm. but you don't, you can leave it. I couldn't agree with you more because yeah. for me saying queer, it is perfect for me, even though I feel like the, Oh, stay queer as hell. Oh, stay queer as fuck. <laughs> stay queer this as is fuck. <laughs> Just a minute. Oh, <laughs> she gave me, she gave me <laughs> sacks of clothes. <laughs> She's like, this is too uh, rough <laughs> language too for queer. me. I didn't read what it said. I'm and a I... girl Christian now. <laughs> I've come to love Jesus. Now. <laughs> and her album of uh, devotional material mm-hmm. is coming out soon as well, yes, right? Yes, it's called Down on My Knees. <laughs> And the next one is The Second Coming. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. I've got the cover art already shot for that. It was mm. going to be a different project. It was. It L- was. Yeah. Little Photoshop, though. Mm-hmm. Just blur that white off. Yeah. And then it's a fully different album. Totally different. And then just like insert a pew mm-hmm. in the photo. I mean, and then uh, you're... Take out the pube. Yeah. Insert the pube. <laughs> well, you're done. Mm-hmm. So remember, folks, you're working on a project. You're having a change of uh, mindset. Everything's there, just Get like we yourself said. Yourself, a Photoshop artist. <laughs> the uh, the uh, and it, that's kind of just like with the labels thing because I know queer is equivalent to pansexual, but I like queer because of the uh, cultural baggage it carries with it. Mm-hmm. How it used to be hurled and still is at people as an insult, but and also queer is sort of um, alludes to outsider stuff. Yeah, as weird, well. Weird, different. I like that. Yeah. I love that. Ooh, I love my water over there. I'm going to grab it. Okay. Yeah, I've always liked, because there is like self-loathing, I think, embedded in all people that grew up with, you know, sexual orientation trauma. Sure. That accepting that word and like owning it and reclaiming it, I think is powerful. Because it fights against that self-loathing about being weird. Yeah. Being the most weird and loving it. Yeah. Just like you mentioned earlier, right? The whole thing about if I'm feeling weird, well then go with it. Because when you try to perform as something other, it, what, it, whatever you think the thing is that you're supposed to be, we don't really know what it is. And we don't know that anyone is really looking for that. So we're doing, we're inventing some weird third thing yeah. that doesn't help them. It doesn't help us. It doesn't really do us any service. So really the best thing is to be as much yourself mm-hmm. as possible. Just live and get your weirdness, spread it. Yeah. And uh, if you find yourself getting self-conscious, just try to figure out what it is that's making you self-conscious mm-hmm. or, and also the, you know, the other thing too, that uh, when you talk like this, people can hear it and they think, well, yeah, but I get really, uh, fill in the blank anxious or uh, scared or uh, in my own head. We all do, but the bravery in all anything is w- stepping through that or like 
acting as if mm-hmm. you know uh like just keep going and keep sticking yourself out there in the world like yeah that especially during the winter i think like seasonal depression made me not want to mm-hmm. be social at all or do gigs or whatever um or like have any inspiration is just kind of dull yeah and i was the medication thing was happening but if i push myself just to do it and it's it's a stupid thing but just like fake it for a second yeah just to push yourself the next step mm-hmm. then before you know it you're you've done it and right. you've proven to yourself that you can go out and not have a panic attack <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and spread spread your weirdness yeah, because I've had moments where I almost didn't go to the movies mm-hmm. in the last six months or almost didn't go to the club or whatever. Even a Precinct's first reopening, I had to push myself out the door because I was like, well, maybe I should just stay in. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing, which you don't realize is depression talking. Oh, girl. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And I was secluding myself and I was like, I was going out for certain things, but definitely. And there's that weird thing of like, oh, am I just setting boundaries? Am I doing something good? Or am I right. permitting? <laughs> right. And I, I had to delineate that and I for had, myself too. I had to just slowly do a little bit and prove to yeah. myself that it's not as scary as it seems. And people are in LA especially are worried about themselves more than anyone else. They're not looking at you. <laughs> That's the best thing to remember. Even if it's like thinking back to a situation, you... Realize, you have to realize and remind yourself all the time they're thinking about something they might have said or not mm-hmm. said to someone and everyone has their own shit and i mean it's kind of similar stuff usually mm-hmm. but everyone has stuff that they're dealing with especially now like you mentioned and uh don't let that hold you back from doing stuff no a- and do the stuff that you love i didn't mean to uh, interrupt you there uh but what were you gonna say yeah doing drag especially it's like if you're feeling anxious, but you go out in drag, people are going to look at you. And sometimes I would get like, oh my gosh, people like, why is that person looking at me? They're talking shit. That was my immediate go-to. Like yeah. they, they found a flaw somewhere. They found, And then later on talking to the person, it wasn't that. It was a compliment. And I warped it in my yeah. head. But um, yeah. I, well, I, I've have had that happen many times too and especially with this whole reintegrating into life thing because Mm -hmm. i found that the pandemic wore away lots of barriers or uh structural uh systems i've set up to prevent 15 year old me from running Mm -hmm. the show in my head and when to recognize uh, learning when to recognize that is that or something else but that thing i remember i was talking to someone at a a gathering and they said oh i remember yeah last time i saw you was at this bar and uh, you were like floating through the room i remember the night you talked about because it was a bar that was very like straight kind of and Mm -hmm. not more of a sports bar but i was meeting some friends and i felt out of place and i was i had that feeling of like but it turned out that that person saw me no it was people looking at me because like you know in in, like in a complimentary way Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it's weird our brains lie to us yeah and a lot especially when you have stuff in your past that's yeah but and it's an ongoing process of unraveling that Mm -hmm. too my therapist has been great because what she calls lowercase t trauma where it's not like i mean there is trauma that I cannot compare to, sure. but every queer person growing up 
has in some way some lowercase t trauma. <laughs> and to survive, you become hypervigilant. Yeah. And it can present as anxiety later on, especially socially, because you are aware of everything. You're trying to read everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's evolutionarily beneficial but people aren't attacking people these days. <laughs> I mean, they are, but they're not as common. Right. So it, it's like instinctually you're so aware. And I've realized that in myself that I have to acknowledge it and like actively fight it. Yeah. And there's a way too to be aware of things in the room, but almost remove the personal connection which I feel like I had a lot more before the pandemic and I'm mm-hmm. getting back there, I think, mm-hmm. but I can still, it's a hair trigger thing. I can flip over the other thing and then I have to go, wait a second, hold on. What is that? Like I am sensing that they're maybe making a face, but that's not about me or yeah. whatever it is. There's a million different things uh, because I, you still read the energy of a room, but yet you, it's that weird thing of uh, almost de-emotionalizing it or something. Yeah. She called it hypervigilance. Yeah. And I like that because that's true. And especially doing drag around people that are so good, (laughs) it can be like very, I just in the beginning became very self-conscious. Sure. Until I was like, people would come up and be like, give compliments. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever have that thing where someone's giving you compliments and you volunteer stuff to negate the compliment mm-hmm. oh yeah that that dress looks so good to me it's from goodwill that's what it, <laughs> i'm always saying that i'm like oh girl this i just cut it, it was <laughs> no you don't really know because it's not yeah which is rude because you're really telling the other person they don't know what they're talking about yeah. where it's really coming from you mm-hmm. being uncomfortable with the fact that someone's telling you something nice mm-hmm. and i mean i've done that with other things too someone compliments me and i'm like oh yeah you should have seen it before or whatever you i'm know. learning to be like thank you so much that means a lot because that is what i mean but something is saying like no you should be humble and it's funny because you know, John Grant was on recently and he was talking about how, especially in religion, because he grew up in a very religious environment. It seems like you did mm-hmm. as well. Th- there's a lot of talk of things like pride being bad. Yes. And it gets confusing because with the, what I think they mean is arrogance is mm-hmm. bad or, you know, being, um, uh, what, what's the word? Self-righteous. Mm-hmm. But pride is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, we're told to be proud of being an American, proud of this, proud of that. Yeah. But then the words are, seem like uh, meaningless after a while. The, I think it was in like 19, either late 60s or early 70s or something. Someone wrote into Playboy and was like, what do you think about gay people? Blah, 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 blah. And their first line in the response was gay is good. And I think recently, like two years ago, they had like hats that said gay is good, 19, whatever, but then also pride is good. Hmm. And it's true. It's like pride has been demonized in religion as like, you should always be humble, never take, you know, never take compliments, always, you know, give the credit to something else. But pride is the opposite of shame. And I think as queer people, we have to fight shame and accept the pride that we have. 
Yeah, exactly. Because we need all the pride we can get mm -hmm. and also foster it because you can be humble and be proud. Yeah. And I think also that overly deferential aspect of religiousness mm -hmm. is wildly d destructive mm -hmm. to everyone because you can be too deferential to other people in your life, to institutions, to others' opinions. Uh, and being deferential, there's a healthy deferential-ness uh, or whatever when it comes to, I don't know, maybe elders or something mm -hmm. or older people. You're like, well, you give them a little leeway, but really deferential is not a good way to go. No. no. It doesn't do you any good. Mm -mm. And then if you're not doing yourself good, you can't do anyone else any good, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of fucked up things with <laughs> religious institutions and like trying to unlearn things now. Yeah. It's not, it's tough. Especially like as a pastor's kid, I've realized um, trying to, you're not, it is kind of a spotlight hmm. or it was kind of a spotlight. Oh, sure. I can imagine. Yeah. And to be like fit in this certain look. Like, look put together, look like you have your shit together at all times. And, and perfectionism. Again, hy hy and hypervigilance. Yes. Go together, right? So, that's basically what I did growing up was like, I got to have all my shit together. I got to do this, this, and this. And then once my dad left, I put all of that perfectionism into school because it was kind of demonized for him to pursue like an artistic venture hmm. and my mom was seen as like the stable one with the stable job that could provide for the six kids that, <laughs> that wow, we six. had mm -hmm. oh wow six kids and um so i like put all of my everything into science because yeah. i a thought that it would be financially stable and to get out of arkansas right i was like and i didn't want to do to pursue anything risky because I was like, I need something that I put in this work. I do this because I was pre-med at first. Mm. So I was like, I want to put in this work. I know I can get good grades in science. I can do this. I can score this. I can go to med school. I can do this. Blah, 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 blah. And I didn't want any risk. Yeah. I want it controlled and I'm having to unlearn that slowly. <laughs> sure. But although it makes so much sense with the dual uh, engine that you mm -hmm. can't be beat that you had of that wanted to get out and mm -hmm. also be stable. Yeah. Money-wise. Was there uh, any time when your dad left? Around what age were you when that? Fourth grade. Oh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned uh, that's a tough time to mm -hmm. even process that. Yeah. Uh, was there a tough financial uh, moment before your mom was get getting yeah. her certificates and everything? Yeah. Um, that, like and that makes an impact. Food stamps. Yeah. The whole shebang. And it was tight before, but... I mean, I was never, like, hungry, but we didn't get new things. It was, like, we were scrappy. Sure. <laughs> we didn't We didn't have, like, health care. Yeah. I think we, we, like, got our shots and, <laughs> and did those types of things, <laughs> but never had, like, a primary care doctor. No. Yeah. We went to the, like, cheap clinic <laughs> if we got sick, things like that. Um, but, yeah, financially, it was, like, we're not doing extra things. Yeah. And, and my sister's... We all had jobs, though. I had a job starting when I was 12. Wow. I cleaned toilets at the <laughs> um, at the water park mm -hmm. before they opened. It was like getting paid under the table because my aunt was the manager. 
So I cleaned toilets. I cleaned the bathrooms there, then worked at a vet and I cleaned the kennels wow. before and after school, which was shit and piss. And it was like at 6 a.m. in the cold. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. <laughs> um, where else did I work? I worked at a pizza place. I worked as a lifeguard. I worked in a concession stand. So we all were just scrappy to get get our own money, pay for yeah. our own shit, pay our car payment, do sure. do our own things. Yeah. He, yeah, we were never big spenders. <laughs> sure. And it's funny, that stuff, because there was mo- times of emotional, uh, not, uh, sorry, the times of an economic instability or just at least concern mm-hmm. a lot in my childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And the parents both tried their, their best and everything, and but, you know, life has funny things that happen yeah uh, up and downs uh and it's amazing how whatever version of that each of us had it puts an imprint on you mm-hmm. that the way you look at money the way you understand money to be uh whether you can enjoy money when you have it, it mm-hmm. all that stuff so uh and also that many siblings mm-hmm. as well what's the age range of the siblings it goes me my sister is i think four years older than me and then it's like two year gaps in between four sisters. And then my brother is like 40. Okay. If he's maybe 41. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was, he wasn't around that often. He's 13. Yeah. 13 years older than me. So he was out of, he was going to college when I was five. Does that make, does that math? Yeah, that, that maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Five years later, after 13, he would have, yeah. So he was around, but he was a drug addict, drug dealer, in and out of prison when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So he was a little crazy. He was <laughs> crazy. Um, he was living in the house, sometimes not living in the house. Police were called. It was like shitshow.com. Sure. It was insanity he had like a girl living with us that's why euphoria is like hard to watch just because i imagine what situation he situations he's been in sure that were so close to going really bad right so it's hard to watch that and other other things yeah now what's your relationship with him like now he's in jail now Mm -hmm. and he messages me some of them are what i was saying are methy some, gotcha. some Kanye right, right, captions right. type of shit. Yeah. Some of them are coherent and it's, but he was never diagnosed with anything either. So there's compounding effects. He probably has some type of, I don't know. I, I don't know. Something. <laughs> something. something. I was like to say something going on. Yeah. Like but, we all, you know, I would say we all got something going on. Some of us. Yeah. Some, some, <laughs> something going on. <laughs> A little something, something. But I think in jail, he's waited so long to get a psychiatric evaluation. They're so backed up. Yeah. And I think it's increased, my mom said, like by 25% of people requesting them because during the pandemic and then going to jail, it's like people are fucked up. Yeah. And I don't know if he's had it yet, but we're trying to figure something out because it hasn't been dealt with correctly. And the mental health compounding the drug use needs to be dealt with differently than just a drug dealer committing crimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. An uncle of mine, 
uh, I think was undiagnosed for many, many years. And of course, this is so long ago that they didn't, they, they were like, you're crazy or you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then if you're crazy, maybe we'll give you shock therapy. Yeah. And it might work. And then maybe you're not crazy anymore. We're not mm-hmm. sure. So he wasn't diagnosed and he had a tremendous uh, amount of substance related issues that then later led into criminal behavior. Yeah. And then was maybe diagnosed, I, I can't remember what point in his life, mm-hmm. but a long time after he'd been in and out of the prison system. And uh, it's just the way it goes with a lot it's of so people. It's so unfortunate. And it, and it must be very stressful to think about. And uh, Yeah, because it's like helpless. You, My mom is a big advocate for him to get help. And it's like talking with his, what's it called? Prosecutor or the other one? Um, the defense lawyer? Yeah. Or the, yeah. The like one for the state. I don't know. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, the state. Public defender. Uh, public defender. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, We'd get the words eventually. We got them. We got them. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> trying to like. The person with the files. I got files. And yeah, they, they know all of it. <laughs> they, they were ties and know. stuff. They're not the nicest ties though because they get paid by, paid by the state. The there state. There you go. The state. Poor bitches. <laughs> they. Overworked bitches too, the state. I couldn't oh imagine. God. Right? Ugh. Also having the heart to be like. All right, my job doesn't pay as well. I could get a job at a firm mm-hmm. doing like either bloodless or like blood soaked work for people, but I'm going to mm. do the right thing. It's ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I don't have the heart, but bless them. Yeah, absolutely. God bless. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the whole system. It just makes me like, if I think about it too long, I get really like I have no hope and. <laughs> We'll, we'll get there. I, that's what I'm trying to get to. No, I, <laughs> There's no hope. Yeah, that's what I was trying to... That's my whole process. You know that. That's, uh, yeah. that's where we're getting to. Well, you know, I think really the whole issue of uh, drug arrests and incarceration related to drugs, but even if they don't legalize everything immediately, which they should, right? And we're, we're on that road with mm-hmm. the ketamine clinics and the psilocybin and all that, but it needs to be moving faster because mm-hmm. there's so many drug arrests. If you even go back to marijuana arrests and, and how many people are... are uh, in jail for that when there's like billionaires kids starting up mm-hmm. you know uh, what do you call them dispensaries now yeah. uh, no good and, and also all these people that are in there because of stuff like that but I, I don't want to dwell on it because <laughs> I don't mean to be distressing it gets uh, but how about the, so the rest of the family though uh, what is your relation like in general with the rest of your siblings so my sister my closest sister Abigail lives in San Diego and she was the one at the oh, performance. Okay. Yeah. She's amazing. We support each other. We're we're going through our mental health journeys mm-hmm. together. We call help when we're feeling off. Um she's amazing. The other ones live in Arkansas. One lives in my hometown and like right next to my mom. So they live like out in the farm area. Um, the other one lives in Conway near Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one lives like just out of town of near my mom. But I don't contact them a ton. Sure. But they were a big influence on like me growing up and drag. Just seeing like their aesthetic, early 2000s. Girl aesthetic is like mm. what I love. Yeah. The early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and watching them get ready and just like all of that. I loved it. Yeah. The, the music they listened the, to. Yeah. Destiny's Child, Britney. Yeah. All of that influenced me so much. Um, but 
Yeah, Abigail's my closest girly. Well, that's lovely, though. I mean, you know, uh, also the odds of being close to every one of your siblings when there's more than one, mm-hmm. even, is... There's political differences, too, and... <laughs> I mean, there you go. We get together on the holidays, and then I come back. <laughs> well, sometimes we get together. Um, I not always. Yeah, well, look, that's how it goes, you know. My dad's the eldest of 12. Oh, God. And it's... Wow. I mean, I remember once meeting an entire table of cousins at a wedding, and it was like a scene from Goodfellas. Oh. It was like, hello, hello. I never saw them again. No. They might be second cousins. Doesn't matter. Drift. Though. Does it still? Drift off, girls. There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Yeah. Yeah, there's... When families get that big, it's like... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a lot. I mean, you can't, I can't even... I cannot do this. Yeah, six is pretty big compared to a lot of folks, too. Yeah. So There's a lot of characters. Yeah. Now, what about... Some idols of yours in the, uh, I guess, actresses or performers. You mentioned Brittany and, mm. uh, of course, Katie Holmes, style icon to everyone. <laughs> All of us, no matter what our, our, our interests are. Do you remember any um, of performers that when you were a kid really spoke to you? Like sort of in the way that Bowie, for me as a kid, immediately grabbed me? Mm. I remember really loving Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, Mean Girls. Mm. Um, a lot of the early two thousands, like the the trio of popular popular girls in high school, like in um, Never Been Kissed, and She's All That, and uh-huh. like those bitchy girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's not actually who I am, but that's what I became inspired by i think aesthetically yeah and have you ever seen wish upon a star the disney channel original movie no i haven't there's an outfit in that that will always be my idol mm-hmm. <laughs> i gotta say i'd it, love to see it's like a purple high-waisted miniskirt and she's going to gym class <laughs> platform heels a like crop top and she has this slick hair in a flip and mm-hmm. like i think one clip and i still rock the clip oh yeah 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 um but that that spoke to me. A lot of the, the Disney Channel original movies, which were, I don't know where I watched most of those because we didn't have cable. I think they might have come on on Saturdays mm-hmm. or I watched them at friends' houses. Sure. But um, those were really influential. I'm trying to think of other movies. It's interesting that you, you mentioned the Mean Girls groups and it's so funny because you know it makes such sense especially when you're hyper vigilant and you're minding your p's and q's and staying very closed off and internal right Mm -hmm. they're the embodiment of the opposite of like saying whatever you want no consequences Mm -hmm. it's like it's similar to the divine thing you know Mm -hmm. divine being like eating shit yeah yeah all that stuff yeah yeah it's like unashamed just bitchiness and that's what I present normally in my performances <laughs> because it is like so freeing just to be like, what the fuck do you yeah. want? Yeah. Yeah. Those girls like Jawbreaker, um, just the cunts. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we all love Joan Collins and Dynasty, mm-hmm. right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing. Heathers. Oh, God. Such mm-hmm. a great, great movie. Yeah. I love Heathers. And so dark. That movie could not come out now. No. There's there's a few classics that I'm like, oh, girl, canceled. What do you think, Jawbreaker? Do you think that could come out now? At least in the way that it did. It was fairly big, you know. And it, mm. I'd say mainstream enough that it was at the time. 
on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> right after Euphoria. No, you're right. It would be HBO and the critics darling, but it would not be a main wide release film. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't think it could be. Um, bring it on. Mm. <laughs> I need to see that. I've never seen that. It's so stupid. <laughs> My favorite line is they're like in a van together and there's like male cheerleaders and two of the girls. And then one of the guys says something that like hints that he's gay. And she says, you speak fag? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is this? It reminds, like, <laughs> it's funny uh, how that word, sometimes people hear stuff in old movies and they think that the movie's homophobic or that, I mean, granted, they're, it is in most mm-hmm. things. But there's also this strange thing where like a lot of people just said the word casually like they were saying anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, context is everything with all that stuff. Right. But Right. And it, yeah, I love the word. Yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> By the way, how do you identify as gay or am I being assumptive? A faggot. <laughs> okay. That's right, right. <laughs> but I... I identify now as non-binary, but I'm attracted to men. Mm-hmm. So f- faggy, <laughs> <laughs> faggy leaning. My pronouns are slut bitch kind. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Instagram that, still that bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram hasn't caught up. They uh, they'll get around to it. I'm progressive. Yeah, <laughs> they need to <laughs> catch on. Yeah, once they start the algorithm thing out, then uh, the, the meta. That. Yeah, but I can't. I think it's good to mention too being non-binary and you say largely attracted to or mainly only attracted to men so far only men but because i think just like the uh, misconceptions we can have about being bisexual or queer or whatever mm-hmm. you know because some people invalidate people's bisexuality because they're like well you know they they've been with that guy mm-hmm. for whoever uh, it's the same thing you can be non-binary and they, they are uh, not, uh, rather it's not uh, a one-two punch it's like not an automatic yeah. result with that. but Yeah. And I, strangely enough, have never really been offended by pronouns either way. Because mm-hmm. I present differently, I guess, to other people. So I'm just like, call me what you want in that setting. But if I'm in drag... <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, you better. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, you better. <laughs> You better call me Miss Bitch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Bitch. Yeah, Yeah, that's the only time that I'm strict. Okay. Mm -hmm. What what are your preferred pronouns then? I don't have. You don't have? Okay, I just wanted to check in case there was a preferred. No, I... If... And it's... I feel like it's evolving all the time, so maybe. But right now, I'm just kind of like... Living. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good. And don't care that much. <laughs> you know, we've covered so many things and I've had such a wonderful time with you on the Thank show. Thank you. It's been so fun. Yeah. Ah, and these. these. I mean, that's great. We're going to have to take photos with that. <laughs> and I've got to remember taking photos because I've been shooting them. On, uh, oh. I forget. Are they, the, inter- are they in oh, no, they, Yeah, let me let me zoom out a little. And I then... Get my ring. This is my grandma's There go- we go. Gaudy that's ring. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'll do a little zoom in on that in particular. There we go. And then, perfect. (laughs) And before we sign off for this episode, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered? Hmm. Piss and shit. That's right. There we go. And shit and piss. Don't forget shit and piss (laughs) as well. One thing I just thought of, we went my top three. What's your top three for films? Yeah. 
shoot. Gattaca. Ooh, I need to see that. Okay, that's my like sci-fi mix with. You love sci-fi, uh-huh. right? Is and that Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman. Ah, uh, I'm an Uma Thurman girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> so am I. Love uh, yeah. Her. Hmm. Damn, that's a tough one. That's okay. It was tough for me too. Now the posters help. You don't have your posters Mm-mm. up here. I will say. I'll say influential. Perfect. Movies. Yeah. <laughs> Best little whorehouse in town. Yes. Yes. Of course. Shocker. Directed by a gay man. I love that movie. Me the too. locker room scene. It what is the fuck? Wild. Oh my gosh. Wilder than any Euphoria locker room scene. <laughs> and the color palette throughout the whole film is Jesus. incredible. I want suits made out of the various colors in that. It's like the, the, do you ever see Lily Tomlin and the Incredible Shrinking Woman? I'll, I'll have to send it to you or we'll watch it sometime. That'd be a great movie night watch. It was directed by Joel Schumacher. And before uh, Joel Schumacher made the gayest Batman film, he made this and he was a set, uh. he was a set designer before he was a director and a screenwriter. And this was his first directorial effort. I'll show you the colors in it. It's like everything was custom made. It's like mint green and like a certain kind of orange. There's a name for that palette and I can't think of what it is, but very 1980, 81. It's called gay. You're right. I'm sorry about that. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I think 79, they called it faggy. That's and then... it. That's the one. That is it. That's it. That's right. He speaks fag. That's what they <laughs> Oh, yes. That's very, what fluently. They said. Yeah. yeah. Shit. A third one? Hmm. Well, we talked about Best Little Whorehouse, so... Maybe that does that uh, reach out into other uh, like a musical or enough? I have. I mean, I can't stop at three. I'm gonna, please don't. <laughs> okay, um, meet me in St. Louis. Never seen that. And I've, that's on my list of ones. I sh- I know. Uh, I know. I should. I. That's my boyfriend's. Well, now we're fiance. We're about to. <gasps> oh my god! We're congratulations. About to, I just hate that word. So I. <laughs> so. <laughs> heteronormative um so we're about what? to what i say is um we're about to file paperwork <laughs> oh that's really that's good the right one that's really good but it's his favorite movie okay and judy is in it right and so love Do you know wait they just played that i think at new beverly Ugh. so we gotta go there we gotta we'll look at the They're calendar the before classics they, and they love to do that they play a lot of the 50s and the musicals and all that stuff i love that and singing in the rain um, but those two are his favorites. And one time for his birthday, I used to be very crafty. I did watercolor paintings of every outfit that Judy Garland wore and made a booklet of it. That is gorgeous. And that is so beautiful. It's on his desk. That is so sweet. Yeah. So I love that movie. I mean, corny as it is. Look, I love corny. Hit me with it. What is it? Legally Blonde did influence me. There you go. That's so that's great. Did and you like the sequel? No. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sequels are tricky. Sequels are so tough. They're really hard. I'm trying to think of like, hmm. The only great sequel is Godfather 2. Mm. I can't think of another sequel that is. My dad is a big Godfather fan. Shit. I'm missing some big one that I cannot. I don't keep DVDs anymore. And so yeah. I would have seen these all the time, like on a shelf. Yeah, I know what you But mean. now I'm like, 
what the fuck? Well, now half my stuff is on drives or mm-hmm. I'll show you cabinets before you go that are just filled, filled. And, and they're just in paper sleeves too. So there's even more than if there was in cases. cases. Yeah. I have the big books that I have to put them in. There might be a book floating around on the floor here. Uh, like the two to 400 size CD books. And I have a ton of them that have they're stuffed with DVDs. Cause also for video drum, I would pull footage from oh. them and all that stuff, you know? So you have a full archive. <laughs> yes, I do. There's another bunch of records over there. I'll share. I'll give you the tour. I didn't really give oh you the tour. Oh my gosh. I missed out. Yes. Yeah, well, you, you'll have the tour and then, cause it's hard to be like, come over here when there's lights and stuff yeah. sitting over there. With the lighting. Yeah. I trapped the guest right there. Uh, <laughs> blind us. <laughs> So wait, another movie to pick. Uh, let me just go down categories and maybe that'll spark yes, something. Yes, do that, do that. So spark like me. comedy or horror or another musical or drama. Drama? Okay, I'll start with horror. Perfect. I loved The Shining. Mm, so good. Would you consider that horror? I do. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I love The Shining. I also love that Stephen King hates that version. Mm-hmm. It makes me... I, I never not laugh when I think about that. He did like a, a mini thing, right? And I never saw it. I won't. Um, Anthony Michael Hall stars in it. I don't really? Know, I think so. How could it be any... Like, there's no way it's anywhere near as good as the Stanley Kubrick movie. I heard it's trash, but... I'll, I I mean, I'll eventually watch it. I The Stand is pretty good. The TV version okay, of The Stand. Okay, I was going to read that. that. Do that first. I have the, a big, chunky-ass book of like Barnes and Noble do do these like compact things of I think it's like The Shining, Carrie, oh wow, Salem's Lot, something else, but it's in this huge thing. And I started it during Halloween, and then I got so busy I couldn't do it. But I want to read The Stand and The Shining, but The Stand is huge. It's fucking massive. <laughs> like, it, like even the really thin paper, shitty paperback. That's what I had. Yeah, it's like a doorstop a chunk. <laughs> it's massive. But di- didn't it, like NBC do a thing with Whoopi Goldberg? They did, yeah. There's a second TV movie version, and it, that came out right at the start of the pandemic. And I remember thinking, I don't want a goddamn nope. thing to do with this right now. Get it now, away because I know what happens in that movie. No. Mm-mm. So yeah, The Shining is probably the top. Yeah, I do really love because I watched it when I was like formative. The Village. Yeah, that was I like. good. I like that one too. I like The Village and The Witch. Have you watched that with Anya Taylor-Joy? No, I haven't seen that. That's newer. It's like A24. Oh, okay. Hereditary is pretty good, too. I've Did seen you like- that. You know, it's awful. I'm so behind on like modern horror movies. Mm. Hereditary, Suspiria, and what was the other one? Midsommar are like terror. And I haven't seen Midsommar yet. I know. Everyone's always appalled that I haven't seen it. It's like, but those are, there's like horror, and then that's like mindfuckery. I love that. I love Mindfuckery. So those, yeah. those are my top ones. And then what was the another category? Musicals, Chicago. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Catherine Zeta-Jones, my bi- bipolar queen. <laughs> I love her. Um, Richard Gere is so good in that, too. Yeah. And who, who's the guy that's like the puppet? Oh, God. Who is that? Oh, oh cellophane guy. Um, oh, I'm drawing a total blank. Mandy Patinkin? No. Uh, Let me see this. Right. Who is that? But Subluck Tango, I need to find a, a way to do seven different personalities on screen <laughs> and learn Russian because I got to <laughs> do that number. I mean, and um, what's the one that Catherine Zeta? No, no, no. That Queen Latifah sings? Oh, God. What is the name of that? I haven't seen that movie in so long. 
But that reminds me of a movie that if you haven't seen it, I think you'd like a John lot. John C. Riley. Yeah. I love him so much. John C. Riley. I just saw Magnolia again for the first time in forever. Have you ever seen Magnolia? Uh-uh. Epic three hour movie. Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, okay. And so it's got Jason Robards, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Philip Baker Hall, Tom Cruise. Is that with the plant on the side that's broken on the cover in someone's face? Kind of, yeah. It's like a, a, a the plant leaves and and like the faces are in the leaves oh, of the plant. Okay, that's different. Okay, oh, okay. But yeah, yeah. The cast, uh, Julianne Moore, uh, iconic oh. Julianne Moore scene at a pharmacy. Uh, who else is a? I mean, a ton of the cast is just staggering. John C. Riley, William H. Macy. Oh, oh, playing Magnolia. a gay guy who okay. used to be a, a quiz show kid. It is <laughs> phenomenal. I need to watch songs that. by Amy Mann. It's like three hours, five, what? three hours, five minutes long. Yeah. Okay, I need to watch. You'll this. love this, and if you haven't seen this, all that jazz. No, it, it's okay. It's Bob Fosse's sort of autobiography with very. It's very stylized and it's very surreal. Uh, if you like Chicago, mm-hmm. I mean, he choreographed and all all yeah. that. And this is basically, he has Roy Scheider from Jaws playing a version of himself, a, a version of Fosse. And some of his actual mistresses are in it playing the lead character's mistresses, which is like, that's a wild uh, turn. That's right. Nice. And one of them is Jessica Lang. What? Yes. They had a thing. She's in it. I want to tell you the name Girl. of her role because it's a little, it's a, it'll give a little bit away and I hate spoilers. It also has Anne Ryan King who was, I think, a paramour of his. And who else? Leland Palmer is in it, kind of playing the Gwen Verdon role in his life. It's fun- And Ben Vereen. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite things ever. And it has a oh, huge impact is. on Hedwig as well. In terms of the story structure and how it's like, we could be here and then in a minute from now, we'll be over here in a flashback, that kind of stuff. Ooh, all that jazz. All that jazz, yeah. Okay. Love Cabaret. Oh, my God. It is so good. That's one of my top musicals, Cabaret. Then you'll dig, yeah, this is for you, all yeah. that jazz. With Liza in it, I mean, Jesus Yeah, Christ. a happy belated birthday to Liza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My daughter. Ooh, have you ever seen New York, New York with Liza and Robert De Niro? No. It is phenomenal. I saw it, one of the first movies back to New Beverly. I, it was the Scorsese movie I always like sort of been, oh, I'll, I'll watch that sometime. I had seen it on tape as a kid, part of it, and I it didn't. I haven't heard of this. Scorsese and... Liza? Oh, my God, yeah. And they had an affair during the making of it, too. Oh. They were at the height of their coke use. They, there's a, I, that's how I love them. Ex, ex, that's when they're at their best. There's a moment, and I think it's mentioned in either the Halston documentary or the docuseries, where like, there was this legendary like knock at Halston's door, and it was Scorsese and Liza, and they just said, give us every drug you have. <laughs> and he put together like a, uh, like a care just package. Just set out a buffet. I know, yeah. Like, yeah. These? Mm-hmm. And that, and then take that after you have those. It, Your that... mom loved these. <laughs> oh, and, and all the guests. This, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love the Halston impression. I did it. When, I wonder if I can get it back. Now, oh, and then, yes, well, Liza did come over with Oh, Martin. that's good. And, <laughs> And I, you know, I just said, well, darling, I'm happy to do you apartment, but <laughs> <laughs> he's just, his voice is That's just your like, game. That, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I have it locked now. Mm-hmm. I just needed a little con- consulting and I yeah. appreciate that. His voice, it's funny. I'm trying to remember what actress his voice is so similar to. And I, oh, he, Eartha Kitt. His voice is almost Eartha Kitt. So now if I do that and just go, I'll have the Eartha Kitt down. <laughs> I used to never be able to roll my R's, but luckily with age. See? Age and practice. And Eartha Kitt videos. <laughs> um, God, I love Eartha Kitt. And um, 
shit. You ever seen the Isaac Mizrahi documentary on Zipped? No. I'll send it to you because there's a great scene where he goes to style something for her and it's just them chatting. Oh, and she's I could listen to her wild. talk for uh, 500 years. Me too. She's incredible. Her and Tam- Tammy Faye I could listen to for 500 years. Same here. Um, but, okay, so musicals I think we got. Yeah, and New York, New York is, and it's very gritty. It's very dark. Uh, and it's very unpleasant at moments, but it also talks a lot about toxic masculinity. One of the things that Scorsese does a lot, but people then go, oh, boys, dumb films. No, he's actually like Taxi Driver, scary movie mm-hmm. about incels, you know, uh, uh, or like. He's got something to say, okay, yeah, people? exactly. Don't uh, count him out. Don't count He was a, 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 a asthma-ridden, movie-obsessed. <laughs> he, he, you know, he, he could barely... Uh, as a kid, he couldn't do anything. He had to stay in the in the, uh, in the house, and they brought him to movie theaters. That's how he kind of really, yeah, super super sickly, oh, and observed baby. though all this mafia stuff going on. Observed all this stuff going on, and then turned that Created. into yeah, that's amazing. yeah. I, I had no idea. And New York, New York, the song New York, New York was written for the movie, and when Liza eventually sings it in the song, I mean, full tears. It's just oh <sighs> uh, yeah. I, jo- I get like that with um. Is it Bette Midler in Gypsy? It could be. No, is the it Rose Midler? or what does she sing? Wait, is she in? She did Gypsy. Is is it the movie version? Is it Rosalind Russell? Let me see. But she sings like my. What is what song is that? Because there was a filmed Gypsy with her, right? With Bette. Yes. Because she did. It, there was like a Broadway revival, and then they must have filmed it for HBO or yeah. something. Bette Midler, but it's like her song of like, it's my time to shine. And it, ugh, I, I cry at that one too. Oh, great. I, I have to see that. I did a, um, um, maybe this time, but I haven't done it live yet. I did that for virtual drug, but I did the blue eyeshadow, the full, the fake little hat from Party City. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you that one. Um, okay. Horror we got. Musicals we got. Yeah. Drama. Drama is a hard one. They're hard. I love like rip your guts out drama, like just mm. difficult to watch. John Cassavetti's movies I love. Which one do I love? Or like a Terms of Endearment or something like that. Ordinary People's great. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. It's Mary Tyler Moore plays the Ice Queen, narcissistic head of a household, and it is magnificent. The what is the one? Is it just called Alice or something or like? Oh wait, there's a the Woody Allen Moore? movie. Oh oh oh, um, what is that called? Because there's, uh, I'm thinking of the Mia Farrow Alice, uh, and then there's Alice doesn't live here anymore, which is different. That's is Scorsese. Like let's let, let's look that up. Julianne Moore. I I love her in anything. In oh my gosh, she's so good. And she's fully frontally still nude. Still Alice. In, oh, still Alice. Yes, that she one rips my dementia, heart out. Yeah. Right. Anything with dementia. One of my grandparents had that. I'm a, I'll watch that. I can't wait to watch them. But because also you process stuff mm-hmm. when you watch the stuff, right? Yes. And I, yeah. Tell me what. About no, you. no. I was just gonna say, and I will. They rip my heart out. Mm, yeah. So bad. So good. But she. Um, that movie is so hard to watch. My grandma used to um run like two nursing homes and she, as kids she would take us into like the alzheimer's ward and wow. a lot of people had dementia and i was just like crying 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 i don't normally cry but uh-huh. in still alice i was like i think i watched it alone too 
like on a laptop just in my bed and I would be like, oh my God. <laughs> just espe- movies where, especially women for some reason, like they aren't in control of their own reality. Yeah. They're losing their grip. It's like tears me apart because what if they're gas, they've been gaslighted their whole life or it's just women losing it. I can't. Yeah. Even in horror movies where it's supposed to be like the plot of a scary thing, I'm still like, no, girl, I'm so sorry. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Because there's, it's like the essence of vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Woman and then these circumstances, especially if it's like they're not maybe raised in a society or, or an aspect of society where they're educated to know about how to take care of themselves. Yeah. Or, there's a movie you'll love then called Woman Under the Influence. Who's in that? Jenna Rollins and Peter Falk. It's from like 1974, 75. It's made by this guy, John Cassavetes, who also was an actor. He was the husband in Rosemary's Baby. Oh. My favorite line in that is he comes home, all, he's already sold her out, right, to get uh-huh. impregnated by the Satanist. And then he gets the gig because they blinded the actor who had the role that he wanted. And uh-huh. he doesn't care. Oh, he's thrilled. yeah. And he comes home and he goes, hey, Ro, baby, how was the funeral? It's like the most ghoulish, ghoulish <laughs> thing. And he's just bopping along. He... uh is one of the actually probably one of the fathers of independent film really and, and he made yeah he um made an indie movie with donations and all that stuff and then be, got hired by hollywood studios to make two films one of which stars judy garland in a movie about children with learning difficulties called um a child is waiting it was her and charlton heston I, anyway the studio, he had a fight with the guy, the executive during a screening, and he punched the executive out. So he was mm. blackballed. Mm. Then he became an actor for hire, and he'd take any role to fund his indie movies. Some of them were great, like Rosemary's Baby. And I mean, I've seen every single, any piece of shit he's in, I'll sign me up. I'm there, right? Mm. But uh, then he made these incredible movies like Woman Under the Influence, Husbands, uh, Kill- Killing of a Chinese Bookie, Gloria, which was later remade with Sharon Stone. And he sort of impacted the whole landscape for. Uh, films because he would mortgage his house him and jenna rollins were married they'd mortgage their house they'd make a movie with friends that were actors like peter falk or ben gazzara and uh then he had to even distribute one of them himself like it's just scrappy scrappy as fuck that's what i love yeah me too i love when people just (laughs) friends come over we're gonna make some bullshit (laughs) like yeah not bullshit but yeah we're gonna where's the tithing and offering come on (laughs) There's, before GoFundMe. Oh, well it, before it was, that. He was like, yeah. We're mortgaging our house. Yeah. We're mortgaging our house. I'm going to take three Italian gangster pictures, and then we're going to make this goddamn you thing. You get $50 <laughs> for the picture, for the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know about other dramas, because I don't know. Well, it's hard. They tend to fall between the cracks when we think of favorite movies, I think. Mm-hmm. And also, in the last 20 years, I don't either a drama is marketed as something very meaningful, and it mm-hmm. puts us off puts me off yeah and i'm like eh, i'll see that at some point i really did love which it could be taken as like comedy something 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 but the french dispatch i i'm dying to see that i, I have to watch really that. loved it i really loved it. there's another filmmaker who i'll watch anything he makes mm-hmm. they all look different from each other but they have that unique Mm-hmm. overall thing of his and I, I heard something about in french dispatch ada was telling me that there's different um uh what do you call it aspect ratios used throughout the whole thing oh like there's like a four by three and then there's a 16 like different like visual things uh, approaches. Right well, no no me. i mean because i'm always i'm just nuts for stuff like that and i love 
And so she, she'd mentioned that to His, me. like, meticulous <laughs> way of getting every detail. And there was behind-the-scenes, uh, like, photos in Interview Magazine, I think. And I was just like, holy shit, how does your mind work? I remember watching a making of featurette on the Royal Tenenbaums. And That's it, a good one, too. So good. And the house, I, I can't remember whose room. And maybe it's Margot Tenenbaum's room, but there's, like, drawings on the wall. Mm-hmm. And they were showing that even the stuff that's just in the foggy corner of the screen meticulously mapped out. And, and like he'd go up and go, okay, this is not quite right. And then like mm-hmm. he'd adjust it himself. Mm-hmm. I live for that kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> I love brains like that. I'm like, mm. <laughs> slop some things. About certain things I'm very perfectionist about. Yeah. But other things, I, mm. I love his movies. Mm-hmm. I love a director too who storyboards their own movies, like and can actually draw. Uh huh. Who who did Parasite? Oh, a uh, Bong John. Who uh, I think is yes. the, his name. He, he does like intense drawings of every single shot, like the, almost like stuff you could see in a magazine mm-hmm. kind of drawings. Like, he did like he does that for everything. Snowpiercer, I think, was his other oh, movie. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I liked Parasite too. That was good. Ridley, Ridley Scott does that too. Really? He is a artist uh, rendering level and artist. Aren't there, all, aren't there always like phallic things in the alien? Oh, there. And that's, oh my God. That, I love horror movies, mm-hmm. but there's something about alien that is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. I've only seen part of it once. And I was like, okay, Craig, you're going to have to watch. Because I saw Blade Runner again for mm-hmm. the first time in however long. And that was an instance where. I was having that thing. I shouldn't go. I was up all night editing and I did mm-hmm. that. I shouldn't go. But it was like, you love movies. You love going to new, but go. And that was like a nice little turning point for me thinking, oh, right. This thing I'm thinking lately, it's not me being responsible. It's me not le- allowing myself to go and enjoy things. Mm-hmm. And um, which is strange. It was Blade Runner? Yeah, it was Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And I went to see it. It was a matinee, 2 p.m. matinee. And I hadn't seen it since the 80s. So I'd never seen the final cut and I'd never seen it on the big screen. I only seen it on VHS on a little TV. Mm-hmm. And I was just like so blown away. I did the thing when I got home. And at that point now, I'm so, oh, way overtired. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I ordered some food. I'm watching every piece of documentary I can, every Wikipedia, every Reddit threads. The I mean, adrenaline <laughs> and the webs oh, that my God. are created. Yeah. Yeah. The IMDb on my phone. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I know. The worst is when you run out of trivia on IMDb yeah, and you're like, oh, like, shit. Then you go to Wikipedia and you're like, wait, they shot this one scene in Dublin? <laughs> right. Or with Kubrick. Like, what does that fucking mean? With, with Kubrick, there's some shots from the set of Eyes Wide Shut where you, they show how it, like, it's some rear process shot that you're like, I thought he was on the street and he wasn't. Uh, he was on like a treadmill and there was a shot of a street in New York and you're like, what? Yeah. It's fucked up. It's the trivia gets me. Like Nicole Kidman's nipple was painted with. It was like the the most obscure one. I just love the score for that movie is so disturbing too. Because I remember seeing the theater when it came out, and it's just that simple dome thing or whatever, and it or those single piano notes that are like stabbing. I know I don't hate it, but it's like no, it's it's nauseating. In the best way. Just like in The Shining, there's certain score pieces that mm-hmm. you're like, ugh. What movie was I? Uh, Suspiria does have some things that I'm like, it, just the noises mm. get get me calling. Oh, you'd like the original Suspiria as well, I think. Really? And also a movie called Phenomena. I think that, that, that director in general, Dario Is it Argento, in German? 
Suspiria? No, it's uh, it's one of those great Italian co-productions where everyone just spoke the language that mm-hmm. they knew, which, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. So it, it's all dubbed in English. Oh, then. perfect. And but I actually uh, interviewed Jessica Harper, who's the star, and she confirmed that some see, and when you see the dubbing, so some people are speaking in English, so that matches up, and then there's people speaking other languages. She had a couple scenes that were like important scenes. There was an Italian guy who had did not know English, so basically she had to basically watch his lips and wait until she thought he was done, and then give her lines. That's ideal. <laughs> it is. That's what they say. They like. That's I think the ideal working environment as exactly. an actor. You don't need to know what they're saying. Just Mm-mm. wait till your line to your time is up, then go. Then you say, "Are you, are you done?" Okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> you killed her. <laughs> That's what the witches are all about. Uh, oh, Wait. my gosh. Suspiria, the ending, girl. And I got to see the, the quote-unquote new one. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the next month or so, I'll watch it. Cause yeah. It probably doesn't... It's probably not great compared to the old one, well, but... Well, no, it's different. I've heard it's real different. Oh. And I'm, I'm down... Because I know that, like, for instance, the color palette is very specific in the new mm-hmm. one, right? Same, but in a totally different way. It's very oh. uh, hyper-saturated um, primary colors in the original. Whereas the new one is like pastels right new one is more like muted earth red right yeah right yeah and tilda swinton in like 15 roles Mm -hmm. right she plays a crumb on the ground she (laughs) (laughs) she plays a light bulb she plays a grandpa everyone yeah she's good i'm gonna have to watch that and the score i know the score is great but it it was like i was in a tough spot when i turned it on i was like that now it's not no You have to be elated. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> giddy. And ready to crash into a darkness. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. That and hereditary. Both of those and Midsummer. It's like it goes bad. Well, I got some exciting viewing ahead of me, and I, yes. as I feel you do as well. Mm-hmm. I need to make my list. Yeah, and I'm happy to send you anything. I have a private Vimeo with some of the stuff that's on there and I'll send it to you. I need. Yeah. It's great. I love sharing stuff like that. So I feel it's like already in up spring, there. Spring I'm like Ooh, I'm reinvigorated. <laughs> I need more inspo. I need it. And so folks can follow you at Just Judy. That's it on mm-hmm. Instagram. Twitter, are you on there? I'm not on Twitter. I think I have like two tweets <laughs> probably about the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> so look for those. Look for the mm-hmm. shitter tweets. Mm-hmm. And then TikTok, kind of. <laughs> I haven't decided if I like it or not. Sure. So that's... But I'm on there. I'm dabbling. Okay. Same handle, Just Judy. That's it? Yes. Yes. Terrific. Yeah. Well, it, it's been just a delight having you on. It's been so fun. Thanks. Same it's been here. amazing. Yeah, thanks Thank for being on. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being on, and I hope to have you on again Absolutely. sometime soon. And maybe we'll do a movie club sometime. Ooh, love it. Fantastic. Totally. All right, everyone, Till next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>